Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, where we're in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. This week on the podcast, we're going to be joined by Sarah Budd, who's going to be talking with us a little bit about worldview and culture and how they intersect with the church and our view of truth. The very idea of truth has actually become sort of controversial in our Western culture, and that idea has slowly started to make its way into the church. As Christians, what happens when we dispose of the idea of absolute truth in favor of postmodernism or relativism? That's what Sarah is going to be joining us to talk about. But before that, I'd like to remind you to keep those ratings and reviews rolling in. Those help keep the uncommon truth up on the charts and help people who haven't heard about us to, to hear about us and listen to conversations about the church the way Jesus meant it to be. I'd also love to shout you out if you leave some feedback for me. So I'll also have my email in the show notes and I'll get into more ways that you can connect with the podcast towards the end of the episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I would invite you to stop what you're doing right now, pull the car over, put the dishes on hold, stop the lawnmower, and send the podcast to a friend or a family member or somebody you think would find it entertaining or uplifting or informative. You can do that simply by sharing the smart link that I've put in the show notes. That's just a link that will allow somebody to click on it and whatever device they use, it will send them to the proper podcast host for their device. So iPhones will go to Apple Podcasts, Android phones will go to Google Podcasts, everyone else will go to Spotify. And now let's get to Sarah so we can talk about some truth here on The Uncommon Truth. Okay, well, welcome to The Uncommon Truth. I'm joined for the first time on the show by Sarah Budd. And since we're a real podcast, I'm going to give her bio to all you listeners because that's what happens on real podcasts. So Sarah is from Reading, England. It's spelled like reading, but because you have to say everything really cool when you're from England, it's <laughs> pronounced Reading, and that's in the UK. And she has a bachelor's degree in natural sciences and a master's degree in geological sciences from Cambridge. And though that, that's the part she's not, she's not going to flaunt for herself, but we'll flaunt it for her because we're proud of her. Um, and the part she's proud of is she's married to Jacob Budd, from Washington, and they have a very cute little daughter, Ella, who's about seven and a half months old. That's true. Do you have any anything I missed? Any uh, like favorite color, like flavors of ice cream or? Oh, any kind of ice all cream. All the ice cream. I, all the ice cream, and uh, anybody that comes to my house knows I'm obsessed with pudding. Okay, pudding. Um, which this isn't like weird, like British pudding, like no, blood pudding. No, in England, or pudding, pudding is or... just a word that means dessert. But I'm not meaning pudding as in dessert. I mean specifically okay. American pudding, that use which a is something kind for. of that uses a spoonful. It's kind of undefinable. You yeah. put a powder in milk and whisk it up, and it turns into this gloopy, sweet, delicious. That's your perfect. favorite. Yes, that's my and sugar free. A, do you have a favorite flavor? Butterscotch. Butterscotch. Yes. I like tapioca, but that's a that's sort of a controversial choice because it's got texture i like i like the texture i'll eat yeah. tapioca. tapioca also rice pudding rice pudding rice it's kind of probably close, my right? favorite things yes absolute favorite okay. things yes i know that my family my my in-laws make something that's called it's a salad in their terminology it's called cookie salad and it's wow. tapioca pudding and cookies and shaved coconut and fruit i think that is another reason why i need to come visit yeah so that's that's my experience that's my favorite pudding okay is the pudding in cookie salad okay and um 
Okay, so we we want to know you. You're obviously not from around here. How did you end up in Northern California serving the Lord out here? Okay, so that's kind of a long story. Um, so I'll tell the short version of it. Um, I spent a lot of time studying and went to college and all that, like you just said, but I always wanted to follow Jesus since I was tiny. Mm -hmm. And I would attribute that a lot to my mum, who just was a passionate Jesus follower. Um, and I just watched her pursue Jesus my whole life. And um, when I was um, in my late teens, one of my lovely friends called Alice went to a school of ministry in Toronto. Okay. Shout out to School of Ministry in Toronto. It's yes, amazing. We've, we've had That's several of their yes. alums on the show. <laughs> yes. She went there, found it really life changing. Then my beautiful younger sister, Sophie, went there, found it life changing. Um, so that by the time I was at Cambridge, I knew that once I finished my um, degree course, that's where I wanted to go. Okay. Wasn't really sure what was going to happen after that. Yeah. Was hoping that Jesus was going to sort of zap me and turn me into a spiritual person um, who could kind of raise the dead and, mm -hmm. you know, float above the ground and walk on water and stuff. That didn't sadly happen, sadly or not sadly. <laughs> um, so went to school of ministry. That was a five-month school. It was in Canada. Um, they sent me on an outreach trip at the end of it. I thought I was going to rehab. Um, I, I knew I was going to go to California. I knew it was kind of like a dodgy, not very nice place. Mm -hmm. I was quite irritated about it. Yeah. Did not want to go. Pretty terrified. Um, turned up um, and just found a community that was just really different um, from anything I'd experienced before. And people that I felt had something that I needed. And I wasn't really sure what that was, but I knew there was something here. Okay. Um, and... So I uh, decided to come back for six months, and six months has turned into seven and a half years. All right. And seven and a half years turned into a seven and a half month year old baby. <laughs> that too, yes. That's awesome. And uh, this is my favorite question to ask people who are not from Oroville, but what was your first impression of Oroville when you rolled up here for the very first time? Oh, that I was... guess you had a little bit of something to expect because you knew you were coming here on like an outreach and... And you knew there were, there was people here that needed something that you had, right? Ah, oh, I, I don't know if for I me that for me it wasn't that. it wasn't like that because we didn't really know what we were getting into. We were coming for a wedding and we were expecting California vacation, and we got uh, something different, right? <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. I arrived here um, at very jet lagged at the stroke of midnight English time um, on the first of January, two thousand twelve. Okay. It was four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, America time, California time. And um, I remember driving in the minivan to get here and thinking it looked like, it reminded me of Africa. Yeah. That was probably the weirdest thing. It was like, I, I'd never seen anywhere so run down, in Southside specifically. And what, it, what time of the year was that? Was that like this time of year? No, that was the first of January. Okay. Like so New Year's that's Day. about as lush, like as lush and green as it ever gets is around that time of year, right? Because <laughs> it's actually been raining a little bit. And and there's not very much lush and green at Southside. I just remember uh, just burnt down houses, yeah. weird rundown, spooky looking shops that I wouldn't want to you know, go near. Yeah. Homeless people sort of walking across the street. I a used bit to of be, the, the zombie apocalypse looks like it it's does look just a little happened. bit. Yeah, I used to sit. I used to um, live in an intern house on Greenville Street, and I used to sit outside. Um, I'm not quite sure why on the on the porch, maybe to read my Bible or something like that. And without fail, something weird would go past. Like one time, a guy on a bicycle holding a scythe. 
like above his head. Yeah. Okay. Like the Grim Reaper. Like the Grim Reaper. Not sure what that was about. Um, one time, a um, a large lady in a mobility scooter with a child looking about seven or eight strapped to her belly. Oh. Um, okay. That's just a few that I remember, and then yeah. uh, obviously various, um, you know, sad situations of people on. Yeah drugs that have gone wrong walking along talking to themselves or hitting the air or something like that yeah i think i i heard a couple months back there was a a guy who woke up and opened the door to get some fresh cool air into the house first thing in the morning he saw uh, so as you know and our listeners might not bike strollers and regular (laughs) strollers and anything child related you you don't see them with children with recycling or yeah Yeah. you see them with (laughs) Anything that somebody thinks is valuable that's going back to their camp or their house or whatever. And so one of these bike strollers, which could have been the one that I have missed, have been missing that got taken from the the co-op building here. Um, There was a a man riding a bike and then another man on all fours like a dog just riding on the little stroller on the back. (laughs) And they sort of like looked at our friend who is walking outside the door and sort of made eye contact and did the little head nod like what's up <laughs> you know like just this is just normal you know like hope you have a good day we're it's, we're off to 7-eleven or something right it's a weird place isn't it yeah Southside so is a weird place. i often think that we should start an instagram account with some of the things we see here but you know then that doesn't really mesh well with the like well we're here to help and here to be part of the community let's not make fun of people i have but, thought about doing a, a kind of sites of oroville kind yeah. of black and white photo shoot of but then i thought that would be the opposite of what we want to portray because right. obviously lots of positive things about oroville too and there's but, there's lots of characters you meet too that are yes. they're just really interesting and and great to get to know yes. i know we i was filming our we have announcements on the screen at church so um they're a little bit more professional and i was filming filming uh my wife's cousin lisa doing video announcements and she's from from manitoba where we moved from and a and an old man walks into the church because the doors were open because we were inside and uh he needed to use the bathroom and so he just walked in he knew where the bathroom was so he just walked into the bathroom and so we looked at each other okay well that's that's great use the bathroom and he proceeds to tell us that um as as old men sometimes do about like where he's from and what he's seen in his days and that he starts talking, well, I used to go to a Mennonite church and we just made eye contact because we both used to go to a Mennonite church and I wasn't under the impression that there were that many Mennonites around. And also um, that his his mother's maiden name is Reimer, which is Lisa Kelly's yeah. maiden name. And we're just looking at each other like, oh my goodness. And we are we were from such and such a town and in Manitoba and which he's getting closer and closer to the things we know and the places we've been that and it's not like yeah I was in New York City it's like I was in this small town of 3,000 people that has one stoplight and And a million mosquitoes yeah right and so those sort of things just happen around here and I don't know it's a little bit off topic but it's kind of funny it it's it's great to when you stop to interact with the residents and the people I mean now it's home for us right yeah um but I guess that's why I like to ask what your first impression was because yeah. coming in, it's a huge shock, right? Southside itself is a huge shock. I would say my impression of Oroville as a whole is kind of broadened, you know, to include lots of wonderful people and right. kind of lots of um, promise and hope. But Southside itself is definitely a shock coming in. Okay. And so wh- why did that, why did that six months turn into seven and a half years? 
what was like one big reason oh multiple reasons i think i found family mm-hmm. i think i found um kind of spiritual parents in the sense that um you know i've got wonderful natural parents but like i needed kind of spiritual parents to take on like the next step of my growing up like i've done a yeah. lot of my growing up here i'm 31 i was 23 when i came here mm. first um I think I found a place to get rid of a lot of confusion that I had. Right. Um, and probably beyond all of that, um, I found somewhere where my gifts could be used. I didn't, mm-hmm. I think before that, despite the, you know, oh, I went to Cambridge and I'm so smart kind of thing. And when it came to Christian ministry, like I, I felt pretty useless. I didn't really mm. feel like there was a place for me. Um, but I found somewhere where I actually was appreciated to have gifts and something that I could do to yeah. change the world. Yeah, and that reminds me, I failed in part of my bio. You're actually on pastoral staff here at the Father's House. And uh, so that's awesome. I don't know if you, most people who get their master's from Cambridge in science go on to become ordained ministers. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're also uh, the leader of the business department. I am, uh, yes. So, and my boss. So, yay. (laughs) Um, <laughs> Let's get past that little yes. that little pot. <laughs> well, Danielle, back when she was running the business department and was on the on the podcast, made it very clear to all our listeners who was in charge <laughs> in this particular podcast. Um, so yeah, but that's that's cool. We have a really cool version of leadership here that's really unique. We won't get into it now, but it's a uh, it's a really cool way that that Steve has conceptualized leadership, and and we're both we both get to participate in it. Um, so the, the big reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I remember you actually were, and still are one of the teachers at the, in our school of transformation and, uh, your classes were the ones that actually connected with the most, um, in the school. I really, and, and there's so many different classes like Jordy does a lot of teaching straight out of the Bible on like what does like breaking down verses and, and theology and stuff. And I found that really engaging and. And we have other folks that point to different spots in in different genres. But you you and I, I think I have a very similar mind, um, very logical. And uh, and so the way you were breaking down concepts like worldview and truth, I found that added to a lot because it's um, I guess I came into I came into School of Transformation and the church here um, thinking because uh, this is the first time I've ever worked in or volunteered in uh, a church besides like youth ministry or something right. like that on Wednesday nights and um, I guess I kind of had the impression that uh, kind of thinking or um, logic and stuff didn't really have a place in in church I knew it has I know it has a place in Christianity because yeah. I, I do a lot of reading of like CS Lewis and mm. um, some of the some of the those type of, of writers. But um, in actual church, church life and ministry, I hadn't really found that to be the case until I was in some of your classes, and I found them. Yeah, it sewed up a lot of loose ends, and and it, I really appreciate it. So, I wanted Sarah to come on because uh, she's got a really good way of blending those things, and and specifically talking about truth today. Um, I wanted I wanted to ask you some things like, um, be because. Before we even get into theological stuff, which we often have Steve and Jordy and, and other guests on to talk about theology stuff, we we sort of have skipped a step because if we haven't agreed on what what constitutes truth and yeah. what that means for us, yeah. then then 
does it, it sometimes doesn't matter what, you know, if we can agree on theology or, um, or have like a, a deep understanding of theology, if we haven't understood what truth is and how yeah. it affects us, um, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to make anything out of that. Right. And so yeah. I wanted to have you on because I think we, we want to correct that misstep in mm. forgetting to talk about truth. Right. Yeah. So do you think, do you think we have a truth crisis in Western Christianity? I think we do. Um, I've always been fascinated by um, by truth, by what's true, by ideas. Um, I think a lot of that started for me um, with my upbringing. Um, growing up a Christian in a European country is very different um, experience than perhaps it would be growing up in America or Canada. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I spent. A, I was <laughs> always been a very um, determined, very opinionated, kind of first person to put your hand up in the class kind of yeah. girl. And it was, um, it's kind of like debating practice in a sense for me growing up being the only Christian in, um, in my class or in my school, yeah. or only outspoken kind of Christian, I guess, um, some of the time, or at least it felt like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, sometimes it felt like just me versus the class, every like RE lesson we would have. What's RE? A religious education. Oh, okay. It's like, compulsory then what is islam what is christianity that kind of stuff um and one of the things that fascinated me was how um everybody of a certain culture can just blindly believe the same thing Mm -hmm. um that people don't often think about what they believe or why yeah and also what influences people to believe they the way they do Mm -hmm. and how that's changed over time and even at 31 it's very interesting to see the stuff that was what everybody believed in you know when I was a teenager in you know the 90s and early 2000s um in England is now and how that's totally different what everybody everybody believes you know in different obviously in America people are very divided in um liberal or conservative but just how, um, like, why do we believe what we believe? And mm-hmm. where does truth come from? Um, in terms of, like, a truth crisis in Christianity, I think that it's important not to under um, underestimate how influenced we are by the culture around us, yeah. even as Christians, and how much that culture has influenced the church. And if you look at um, what's going on now with this idea of... Um, truth being relative Mm -hmm. and this idea of it being very offensive to disagree with somebody as if you're kind of attacking someone personally when you disagree with their ideas um when you take all of that and put all that into what's going on in christianity um i think we're really struggling to have a firm concept of jesus as the authority and the truth right and my opinion my thoughts my feelings my experience being subject to that Mm -hmm. so i think i remember you coming up maybe this was somebody else but i'm pretty sure it was you talking about something like a fish in a fishbowl and and the worldview being something you swim in was that you if not we're gonna get this wrong but (laughs) (laughs) that's all right maybe i'll try to sort through it i don't remember so I, I think, yeah, well, I don't know. We're, we'll butcher it, but it's something like it's hard to separate. Like your worldview is something that you're in all the time. It's true. And so it's it's not something you can really yeah. get yourself out of. Yeah. But you kind of have to expose yourselves to, to different modes of thinking and and under, like try to get out of 
what just the things that well we all believe this yeah i think that so that was my experience was that i was like the um the visiting fish from a different fishbowl i, I guess yeah. you know when i was at school there was all these people with all saturated with the same ideas mm-hmm. and i'm like this one voice going wait a second why do you believe that doesn't make any kind of sense Mm -hmm. why and and just getting such resistance of just no this is what everyone believes and people feeling so um settled and confident simply because everybody around them sees things the same way yeah without thinking wait a second you know 25 years ago everybody saw it differently Mm -hmm. wait a second in other countries right now all around the world everyone sees it differently so how do you know what's true and is truth a democracy you know, is it just kind of like a vote of, okay, well, this amount of people agree with me and therefore I must be right. Yeah, like an Instagram poll. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, so I think that, and then, um, you know, having then gone from um, writing to Cambridge and, and kind of being around a different set of people, being having studied science and been, that's like its own little subculture of and with a very different way of looking at truth. Right. You know, scientists are all about truth being something that is, um, that you can find out by experiment that you can mm-hmm. you can that's possible to find right yeah which is different to um the surrounding culture where truth is kind of like this murky thing that um you know that you can kind of discover or make up for yourself yeah you can make it up right you can make it up um and then coming to america and once again a totally different culture totally different way of looking at things so i guess my life experience has shown me um, was given me kind of a unique view on all these different cultures and how they influence what we, the mm-hmm. way we believe. And the overriding thing is, okay, well, what is actually true? Right. Yeah. There is a, there is, the there idea is something is there, that's actually true. And we can be either closer to it or farther away from it, right? Yeah. I think, I think when you're talking about going to school, growing up, and you were like the only Christian who, who was asking all these, you know, I guess, atheistic or materialistic or postmodern sort of school kids in England what what they believe and yeah. why I kind of feel like in in the church as a whole in the west we're kind of like the kids in the classroom and we've there's some things that we all just believe yeah and it's almost like it's become doctrine because we're not challenged by by some of those um, those ideas. You, does that make yeah, sense? That right? does make sense. Can and you I think, think of any examples? Well, you know what? I think the bigger deal, aside from there's, you know, there's the things that we believe that we are aware of, kind of the choice of, okay, I believe this or I don't believe okay. that, and I'm choosing yeah. it. But there's also just assumptions. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time we actually just have assumptions that we've never really looked at mm-hmm. um, that kind of influence us. And for me, um, I always want to look at myself and um and challenge those you know and be and be able for the holy spirit to better show me when i've just assumed something or when i've just Mm -hmm. gone along with my own idea and not submitted that to him Mm -hmm. because what i want in my life is that what he says is true is true yeah and not my own assumptions yeah steve left off last last episode saying um i asked him like if there's there's one thing as you're trying to grow in your faith that you you pray like one thing what would it be and he said heal my wrong thinking heal my wrong thinking and change my heart right and those are two things like change my heart is i'm okay with being wrong and having you be right yeah Um, and heal my wrong thinking is now show me how (laughs) right yeah and that actually i found really freeing because i realized that one of the kind of issues that we have in christianity is we we um because we rely so much on our own interpretation of the bible and ideas about what's true 
and because we ha- we realize we're like we kind of need we need to be right in a sense because right. it's so frightening that we might not be right um and we put so much stock in that that we we can be very divided on lots of different issues mm-hmm. and we can um one of the things we can fall into doing is reading the bible not to find out what's true but kind of unconsciously accidentally reading the bible to support what we already believe is true yeah. um and you know we kind of I, I actually definitely used to do that as a as a kid like mm-hmm. i used to read along and um, when something was was really obvious and clear to me it'd be kind of like, oh yeah, great job, God. You know, you wrote that really nicely and clearly and that yeah. makes sense and yay, <laughs> I like that part. And then I would come to something that I didn't understand. And instead of seeing that as an opportunity to read this really carefully, learn from it and correct my wrong thinking. Okay, Jesus, I'm obviously wrong because I'm reading this and it doesn't fit my theology. Mm-hmm. Instead, I would just go, oh, I guess someone's probably explained that away. Yeah, That's awkward. I don't like that part so much. And I would just I would just skip past it without even realizing I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And something I found really freeing since um, listening to Steve, I guess, is that it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. Um, Jesus is right. And I'm following. Instead of I'm Sarah, I know the truth. And, you know, that's what I trust in. I'm following the guy who knows the truth. Jesus yeah. is the truth. I'm following him. And I'm open to him to correct me. Mm-hmm. And there might be some things that when I um, when I die and go to be with Jesus, I find out I was totally wrong about. But that's okay. I'm fo- I'm you know I'm following Jesus. He's yeah. the one who knows the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's meant that hopefully I can read the Bible more with an open mind. Okay, Jesus, show me what the truth is. Correct me, and just be willing to change my mind. Be willing to let my theology is Jesus is right, and I may well be totally wrong heal my wrong thinking every day. Yeah. You mentioned when you came to the school of transformation that a lot of, a lot of confusion sort of dropped away or, yeah. or cleared up for you. Do you remember anything in particular that was like, Oh, that makes sense. Or, um, Oh, one, one in particular, um, comes to mind. I think a lot of confusion about doing and okay. being yeah, and, um, how to overcome sin. I see. Um, one of the things I remember being taught was you mustn't strive, mm-hmm. um, which I think I'm, I think I interpret to be you mustn't try too hard because that would mean that you're trying to do things in your own strength and that's wrong. Right. Um, the Holy Spirit is supposed to do it in you. But at the same time, so then what do I do? Do I sit back and not do anything? Yeah. Is that kind of like the most holy thing to do? Don't do anything. Or, but wait a second, that's not working. There's things in my life I'm struggling with. They're not yeah. going away. I feel really guilty and ashamed. Not supposed to feel guilty and ashamed. Already I'm getting it wrong. Yeah. Now I feel guilty and ashamed <laughs> about the fact that I feel guilty and ashamed. You know, where is the way out for me? Holy yeah. Spirit isn't doing this fast enough. Um, so just real confusion over that. And also, um, so just kind of like, a, and for someone like me, like I'm so driven as a person, um, like so passionate about, like it's just part of my natural kind of, self to want to just do stuff that that Mm. actually really kind of cut the legs out from under me yeah um so i felt like a lot of that confusion has gone away um just through reading the gospels and seeing that jesus is really passionate about what we do Mm -hmm. and that um that's got nothing to do with trying to um, be righteous in our own eyes or be be good enough by doing stuff it's actually a response out of love for him yeah it's It's just following yeah it's following it's like i it's like my salvation that he won um, he won my salvation on the cross, but there is um, an agreement. There's this covenant 
that I am signing up to as well, this mm-hmm. new covenant. And it's and part of that agreement is I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's not that me, I have to, you know, live this amazing, perfect life in order to be good enough for him to save me. It's that, um, he, you know, he's already made this, made the way for me to be saved. But now am I actually going to start following him and, yeah. le- and letting the Holy Spirit change me? It's um, uh, working out my salvation with fear and trembling as he works it in me, right? Yeah. So that yeah. I think that's really, really helped me to um, just to find victory in my life. That's super interesting because we, two episodes ago, that was our, like doing verse being was our sort of thought because we had, we had somebody who, who criticized, we always ask for listener feedback. And so I want to focus on like, I don't care if it's good feedback or negative feedback (laughs) or whatever. I want to, I want to be transparent. And so somebody, somebody said, you know, it seems like you guys talk way more about doing than being. Yeah. And so Steve talked about that, like. At first I was offended, but then I realized it was actually a, a big pat on the back, right? Yeah. If the way the way he has learned to read Jesus or how he has, yeah. has read Jesus and seen how much of it is actually our response to the love Jesus has shown us to love yeah. others. Yeah. And our love has to look like us doing something, yeah. right? And so, yeah, so it, it is, it, it does look a lot like doing and it we does. do a lot around here yeah so actually you know what that brings us back to those assumptions mm-hmm. because i think i know what what the biggest assumption is i reckon that we have made in the western church and i think that's about um just the nature of what faith is okay um i think it's got to do with just the way that um our culture over the over the centuries has influenced us to think about belief mm-hmm um, so this is just, you know, it'd be very interesting to get kind of feedback on this. This is just kind of how I've, just how I've been thinking about it, how I've been watching, researching. Um, I think in the Western church, when we say, I believe in God, we have a tendency to see that as meaning I believe God exists. Right. Or I believe certain kind of facts about mm-hmm. God. You know, like I believe in God. I believe he sent Jesus 2000 years ago. I believe that he made the world, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and because of that, when we look at faith and belief and we read the New Testament, we have a tendency to read it through that kind of lens yeah. of that assumption of, oh, that's what they're talking about when they say belief. Mm-hmm. And so we don't naturally connect believing and doing. Because right. when if belief is just, I believe in God, I believe facts about somebody, mm-hmm. you know, that's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to connect why me believing that God exists would lead to me doing anything in particular. Right, like I believe black holes are out there, but... Uh... Yeah. Like it doesn't change what route I take to walk to work. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and so um, well, as I kind of looked into it, I actually think that um, this is this is this really is just an assumption based on my culture. It's something that I'm bringing to the Bible when I'm reading it. I'm just kind of bringing my culture to it as I'm reading yeah, it. And not sense. necessarily at all. Um, bearing in mind, I'm from a very different culture that Jesus grew up in or that, you know, Paul grew up in. Um, not necessarily an assumption that um, somebody else reading the Bible would make. Mm-hmm. So as you read the New Testament, you have to look and say, okay, taking the New Testament as a whole is the kind of belief that they're talking about, just believing facts about God, or is it something more? There's a different sort of belief. When I say I believe in my husband, Jacob, I don't mean mm. I believe Jacob exists, yeah. that he's 27 years old, the most handsome man on the planet. Yeah. And the, you know, the daddy to beautiful Ella, right? Mm -hmm. When I say I believe in Jacob, I mean, 
I trust him. I believe that he's going to be faithful to me. Yeah. I believe that he is um, someone who is going to be successful. I, you know, I, I believe in him, right? Yeah. When, you, when that's a relational thing um, and that's a, um, that's a trust thing. Mm-hmm. So perhaps in the New Testament, faith is more of a relational trust thing. Yeah. I think there's, if you, if you look into it, there's research to support that. And so if you were to take that to your reading of the New Testament, everything kind of pops into a different light. Yeah. And you start to see that there isn't this kind of big disparity between, you know, some passages of the Bible saying you just have to believe and you just have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you know, and some passages in the Bible saying faith without works is dead. And even the demons know that, you know, God exists, Mm -hmm. that actually it's all that it all meshes together with if I believe in God then I trust in God, then I naturally put my life in his hands and do what he says. Mm -hmm. Why would I trust Jesus and then not do what he says? That makes no sense. Yeah. Right? So for me, faith is um, is naturally all wrapped up in what am I actually going to do? And beyond that, how do you actually know whether you believe? Do I know Mm. whether I believe in Jesus based on saying I'm a Christian, saying out loud I believe in him? Yeah. Or is it actually looking at my life and seeing what is the evidence from my actions that I believe, mm-hmm. right? It's like the, um, I, I this might be an apocryphal story, but the famous um, tightrope walker, I think Blunden, hopefully I'm saying oh, that right. Oh, the great, uh, yeah, the... Yeah, I know exactly. You, you walking said walk across, across Niagara, Niagara yeah. Falls. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Great Blondon or something. Oh, yeah. okay, probably something like that. that yeah. <laughs> tell okay, but you, I don't want to steal your thunder. You tell it. Well, I love uh, this story. it might be an apocryphal story, but um, apparently, this famous um, tightrope walker, um, you know, he's walking across the Niagara. He's doing um, frying eggs, you know, in the middle of this, mm-hmm. you know, tightrope. Yeah. Um, he and um, people are on, you know just cheering and applauding and it's like do you think that i can walk across the um the tightrope with a wheelbarrow with somebody in it and they're like yeah yes you absolutely can yeah you know so that's like the kind of belief of you know just saying it right yeah and then apparently um he then asked for a volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow for him to push this wheelbarrow <laughs> across as he's tightrope walking across yeah. the Niagara, and um you know suddenly there's there's no volunteers. Nobody's stepping right? up for that. And that so for me it's like we need to look at faith as okay, when when push comes to shove, what do I really believe? Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus looks at, you know, when he looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. And I think um our best view into our heart is our actions. Yeah. You know, so when Jesus said things like, Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? You know, what's he getting at? He's like, Okay, you claim to believe me, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm about to be executed and you guys are all gonna run away. You yeah. know, who is actually gonna believe me? Yeah, I remember when I heard that story, uh, what I heard was his manager, his agent who had been with him, helped him, you know, publicize and yes. was the one who actually climbed in the wheelbarrow. Exactly, exactly. Right? So because that's the like, real thing. Well, if anybody yeah. if anybody knows that this guy can can make it across with somebody in a wheelbarrow, it's it's this guy who's seen him done it so many times, right? Exactly. So that's the um you know, that's the kind of faith that we're looking at. So why are we so focused on doing? You know, we're focused on being the person that gets in the wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah, actually great, what is... That's a great way to put it. Yeah, like what is what is faith? And and I think we, we have this um, assumption that faith is just what I say. You know, I can just claim it. Um, we easily get into this, like absolutely me included, easily get into this mind frame of, oh yeah, you know, I believe Jesus. You know, I totally believe you, God. And then, you know, a few weeks ago... 
Um, oh, poor Aaron, I'm going to tell the story. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> poor Aaron. So a few weeks ago, we went um, back to England um, to uh, for my family to meet Ella. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, our beautiful shiny car may or may not have got totaled. <laughs> <laughs> Quite obviously not by us because we weren't in the country. Right. And, you know, it's in moments like that when you realize, do I trust in the beautiful shiny car mm-hmm. that I may or may not have bought on credit? Yeah. And I don't have much of a salary, mm-hmm. you know, living by faith. Yeah. Or do I trust in Jesus to provide for mm-hmm. me? And it's, it's, it's you know, it, we can talk the big talk before something like that happens, yeah. you know, before your house burns down or before your, you know, your friend gets cancer or, you know, or a lot of the things that we've had to yeah. experience here in my little tiny example would be my car. Um, but when, when, when those moments actually happen, you know, I guess that's when the storm comes and we found, find out whether our house is on the rock. Yeah. And, and interestingly, Jesus didn't say, you know, it's when you claim to believe in me and you do all your Bible studies and you pray an hour a day, you know, that's when your yeah. house is built on the rock, you know, and you can withstand storms. He said, it's when you do what I've said, when you put what yeah. I have said into practice doing, mm-hmm. you know, that's what builds your house on the rock. Yeah. Then, like Francis Chan says, you know, if, if we're a little bit like a, a kid, like his daughter, if if I were to tell my daughter to go clean my room, as Francis Francis Chan would say, yeah. she's not going to go and, you know... Do a Bible study do about a, it. Do a study about what does it mean to Translated clean my room. Right, yeah. She's actually going to... She she knows that she either needs to clean her room or she's going to get in trouble, right? Right. And, and that's, that's sort of like another example of just being a, a kid... Yeah. You know, understanding childlike understanding yeah. of the Bible, right? Yeah. It's actually not that difficult. No, it's not, but we we have a lot of things to kind of insulate us yeah. from actually having to do what Jesus said. Yeah, and you that's know? that's sort of like another cultural thing, right? Where yeah. I know I I would read the Bible and I I was a little bit like you where instead of skipping over the things that made me feel uncomfortable, I would imagine in my mind the people that were getting it wrong. So you know, like, oh, that that's not written to me. That's written to the so-and-so who needs to guard his tongue oh, better. Oh, yeah, we like to right? do that. Don't we like and to I, read the Bible I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus friends. on myself. <laughs> I would focus on like, man, those Pharisees just didn't get it. I'm so right? glad I'm not like those Pharisees. <laughs> I'm the one who gets it. And then when you yeah. when that light switch flicks and you're just like, that's exactly what a Pharisee would say. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I guess I need to go back and start over, right? Yeah, and that danger is still very real, especially for, you know, the ordained pastor at the Father's House Church. Yeah. You know, it's like I always want to be somebody that is um, just teachable and correctable and that yeah. I need to, every time I pick up the Bible, I need to read it. Is my life adding up to what yeah. Jesus says or is it not? Yeah. And, and I've definitely found... Um, you know, you go through seasons realizing once again, I've got insulated again from um, what it looks like to actually put what Jesus said into practice. Mm-hmm. And I've got excuses again. And I've got, um, yeah, those cultural assumptions getting in the way again. Yeah. yeah. And so this is, this is all, this all has something to do with truth because we just trying to bring it back to this idea. We have, you know, we have this idea when you have an idea that, well, truth is relative yeah. or truth isn't, um, truth can be one truth for me and a different truth for you, right. then it doesn't really matter what I, what I'm being or what I'm doing yeah. because, oh, well that works for me and, and what you do works for you. Yeah. But what, what's wrong with thinking like that? And cause that's, that's what our culture says to think. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, and this is actually something that's starting to, I think the enemy is really using in the church at the moment. And one of the movements that's happening at the moment um, that you can kind of trace back to that is this idea that there isn't a hell. Yeah. Which has become really popular in Christianity today. Um, And there's a few kind of different cultural reasons why you can look at why why that might have happened. Um, But part of it is... um, Okay, you could start with, okay, I know that God is love. Mm-hmm. And then bring in that assumption of, well, I understand what love is. So God must be that. And then start reading the Bible and, and do, I guess, um, a little bit like what I was doing with the skipping. It's like, okay, yeah. I read this part and that seems really loving. So that must be God. And then I read this part and that doesn't seem loving. So, you know, there's something there's something odd going on there. Maybe yeah. we kind of skip past that. Or there must be some way that, you know... I'll jump through any hoop possible to make that say something different because that can't possibly. Be yeah, it can't God. possibly be the truth because I know, right? Because I know that God is love, and I know God wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I know He wouldn't do it. So what? So what? When I'm saying something like that, what am I? What am I basically saying? I'm saying the way that I feel trumps mm. um, what God says. Yeah. Right. Or what? What this? Or is that this absolute truth if it exists, right? If this, you know, well, the way that I feel has got to trump that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the thing with absolute truth, though, is is it's a fixed position, right? I remember you you preached a sermon and you you said, "Okay, how tall do you think oh, I am?" Yeah. Right? And you had yeah. people shouting out all sort of, you know, like. We've got people who grew up metric, grew up, you know, imperial. Yeah. Some people have never seen a ruler. <laughs> Some people are very specific in there. Yeah. And and you said, you know what? It doesn't matter at all what you guys say. How? Yeah. Because if I stand next to a, a ruler on a wall, that will tell me exactly my height. And it doesn't matter what I say my height is, what you say my height is. It matters what my height is. Right? Yeah. So in the culture around us, the idea that's kind of taken hold is that truth is relative mm-hmm. and that somehow or other, you know, what I, I can believe that something is true and you can believe something that conflicts with that. But somehow or other, that doesn't matter and they can all kind of exist, kind of coexist together. Yeah. I've never been able to get my head around that, to be honest to me. That seems honestly like nonsense. Yeah. Um, but it is a really powerful idea in our culture. And I think it definitely has influenced Christianity as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for my sermon, I had actually had Jacob come up and measure me after everybody kind of gave all their opinions mm-hmm. about what my height might be. And the point was that um, we might have all sorts of different opinions, but when we find out the truth, those opinions don't matter anymore. Yeah. So I guess one of the ways that our culture has influenced Christianity is that we're so used to my opinion being God, I guess, like my mm-hmm. opinion mattering so much. Yeah. So you, you know, you go to somebody and you and you talk about an unpalatable truth in Christianity, like something like God an says, an uncomfortable of Jesus truth. Or something. Yeah. Something that, you know, um, that God says that um, is not what our culture would want to hear or would agree with. Mm-hmm that might offend somebody, that might hurt someone's feelings, um, that might make somebody feel less than, um, and um, that when we get that kind of uncomfortable sense, we go to, well, that just can't be true. Mm -hmm. Because of, because, you know, because God is love or because that's really cruel or whatever, right? Coming back to the idea of that God's sending people to hell. Well, that just can't be true. How could he do that if he's a God of love, right? Yeah. So instead of looking to see, okay, there's an absolute truth, like measuring my height. I'm five foot seven and a half and there's nothing I can do about it, whether I like it or not, right? 
instead of coming back to that, we go back to, well, this is my opinion. This is what I think. This is what I feel. Mm-hmm. And then um, either we just stick with that or we start trying to find ways to support what I think and feel from yeah. the Bible. And that's where you start just picking out different verses to suit what you think is true or trying to find weird and wonderful explanations for how, yeah. you know, hell could be, you know, some sort of weird, you know, physical specific location right outside yeah. the walls of Jerusalem. Yeah, I heard or that one too. Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, which if you think about it, if you just have childlike faith, like childlike reading the Bible, a straightforward reading as much as you can, um, you know, a six year old would be able to tell you that couldn't that's yeah. not what it says, right? Yeah. Um, but we get so um, locked into our own opinion mm-hmm. and it is so hard to let go of that and just that whatever God says be true, even if it's something I really am not comfortable with. Yeah. I think it's rem- it's important to remember at the end of the day that that Jesus, that truth is one of the, the describing names that he gives himself, yeah. right? I'm the, I way, am the, the way, the, the truth, truth, and the life, and the life yeah. right? And so if Jesus is truth and truth like Jesus doesn't change because yeah. God doesn't change, right? Yeah. I'm not a man that I should change my mind or yeah. son of man that I should, I think I got that wrong, man that I should lie or son of yes. man that I should change my mind, yeah. right? Um, then then that fixed point doesn't move. So yeah. we are either going to be closer to the truth and Jesus or farther away. And, and it's actually, the, it seems to me, the closer you are to Jesus, the better off you are in life and in your endeavor to inherit the kingdom right and so yeah i think that the main thing is um maybe even more than that is just not having a truth of your of your own right you know to kind of to hold on to but just being willing to submit to his truth mm-hmm. you know what basically whatever you say jesus and that is um like i've learned that that's actually a kind of repentance okay you know we often think of repentance as being um saying sorry for having done stuff wrong right um, but it can also be changing your mind. And I think that there's a there's a type of repentance of saying, I'm going to let go of my own ideas, whatever they are. Yeah. And I'm going to be a blank slate. And I'm just going to, like a kid, read what it says, take it as straightforwardly as possible, and um, live out whatever whatever Jesus says. Mm-hmm. And it's that's that trust that he knows what he's talking about and that yeah. he is the truth. I, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, we just need to remember that Jesus is truth. Right. Knowing him is the only way that we can approach truth. Right. And and that prayer of heal my wrong thinking so that I can I can know you, Jesus, and know your truth. Yeah. Um, and then realizing that truth is not something that that really cares about what I what I, don't I get want to decide. Or think, right? Yeah. I don't get to decide what's true. I think it's helpful to consider um uh, a few different ways that I could be deciding what's true. Mm-hmm. So you could be um, like me, somebody who has a tendency to think truth is whatever makes sense. Yeah. And we tend to use our rationality and our logic. So mm-hmm. if something doesn't make sense to me, it can't be true. Yeah. So that's one of the I've things we that. have to lay down. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be somebody, um, I think like most of us who um, tend to interpret truth through how I feel. So if something doesn't feel like it could be the case, then it can't be true. Then it can't yeah. be true. Um, another big one is through my experience. You know, if my experience dictates that this must be true, you know, then that can't be argued with. Yeah. Um, sometimes God asks us to believe things um, that are true that make no ex- uh, make no sense based on my experience. Yeah. Um, so I think those are probably the big three. Um, so we have to be willing to surrender 
what I think, what I feel, and what I've experienced, and put that all under, okay, what do you say, Jesus? Whatever is your fixed, absolute truth, that's what I'm going to believe. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really, like, I people can probably tell, I think you and I think pretty similar, and (laughs) it's, it's pretty easy to get us going, so that's really cool. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back on because I think there's so many things that that your perspective, coming from slightly different, still Western culture, but slightly different perspective on that, it's really important and, and it's really great. And I think you're also a really good interpreter for Steve because you've said some things that are like, oh yeah, Steve says this, but you've helped me understand Steve even a little bit more. <laughs> so it. I'm sure there's lots of people out there that would appreciate that too. Thank so thanks for your time, Sarah. And thanks for joining The Uncommon Truth. Well, that's about it for the show this week. But as promised, there are a few ways that you can interact with The Uncommon Truth and find out a little bit more about what we do here. Go ahead and check out the show notes if you want to see the website for the Father's House Church, our life recovery ministry, our urban missions, any of those things. You can also get our Facebook and Instagram account feeds there and see a little bit more about what goes on behind the scenes at The Uncommon Truth and the Father's House Church and some of our ministries. I've also left my email address in those show notes, so go ahead and send me an email if you want to hear something talked about that you haven't heard, a topic we haven't covered, or if you'd like to leave me some feedback of what you think of the show. You can also get links to Steve's books on Amazon if you want more content, as well as our YouTube channel where we stream all our sermons, so you can catch up with some of those if you want to listen to even more Uncommon Truths. And that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks so much for making us a part of your podcast life. This has been The Uncommon Truth.